Welcome to the Wonderful Leaders Podcast, a place for Christian entrepreneurs and leaders to be encouraged and inspired to grow in your personal and organizational leadership. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wonderful Leaders Podcast. And I have a very special guest today, as I always do. I have Becca Legg, who is CEO of Restored, which is a Christian organization with a mission to speak up about violence against women and equip the church to stand against domestic abuse and with the survivors. She's married to Steve, and together they have raised their five fabulous girls. Yes, I did say five, and fostered more in a glorious and sometimes crazy blended family. I mean, there's got to be just a whole podcast episode about family life in itself, surely. But welcome, Becca. Oh, welcome. That's a welcome back to you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can be welcomed on the podcast. That's fine. Welcome to your Zoom. Welcome to the podcast. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. so, Becca, aside from this crazy family life, tell us about, well, no, tell us about that as well. Tell us about yourself and what your leadership life looks like. So, yeah, my leadership life looks like being, I've, so I've had 18 months in this new role, working as the CEO of Restored. Um, and that's the first time that I've completely led an organisation. Um, before that, I've worked in the leadership team. Um, of a church um, and before that I've managed parts of an organization but this is the first time that I've really stepped up and had to do it on my own. So you said 18 months leading this organization so did you start the role in and about the beginning of the Covid times? Yeah absolutely oh, I had wow. my interview the very last Friday before Boris got up and went okay we're going to start closing down so it was the last I could have done my interview in person um, and then I didn't get to meet my team for months after that everything was on Zoom. Oh my goodness so have you met your team now? I have but we had our first day in the office properly last month so it's been really really recent. Well, and I mean, you, th- there's lots of questions there around sort of leading the team, embedding into the team, all the culture piece over Zoom during a pandemic. But you've worked through it all and you come out the other side. Yeah, but it, gosh, gosh, what a challenge, though, because it, it really was this team. And they'd had this, you know, they'd had a leader for years before. The, what was the founder who'd been leading the organisation up to then? So I did really feel the pressure of starting fresh, coming in, in on Zoom in lockdown it was a yeah no it was challenging but we did there we got there we got there brilliant fantastic well look as you know we're in the middle of a series called all focusing on women in leadership and you know you're obviously a woman in leadership and you advocate for women as well and you live in a household full of women apart from your husband of course (laughs) so tell us your story tell us a little bit about the journey that you've been on to sort of get to the place in your own leadership but also I suppose the journey of leading other women as well just give us a bit of your story yeah, it's, it is quite a story, actually, and a lot of women. And I've tried really hard to get away from the women thing as well, because it feels too, <laughs> feels too obvious. Um, but I guess my leadership journey started as a single mum. I was in a marriage that was not brilliant, um, but that's you know very much uh, underestimating it. Um, and I came home, for, I lived in Africa at that point, and I came home with two little girls. One was three months old, and the other was wow. 18 months old, 18 years ago now. And I came back to live in this country um, and I had to get going and I had to lead my little family. And then I had to work out how we did that uh, moving forward. And, you know, I think as I look back, that's where my leadership journey began, was trying to work out how to build a life again out of the wreckage 
trying to work out how to make sure these girls got everything that they needed, that they grew up to be strong and independent and know their value and know their worth, reach their potential, all that stuff. And, and I had to start thinking really quick because it wasn't what I'd anticipated. It wasn't what I'd imagined. And as I look back now, I realise that a lot of the roots of who I am now and what I'm able to do now are really, the, 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 that's where the, that's the ground they're in, is that what felt like, well, what was a crisis situation, I had to, I had to work out how to respond to because I had no choice. I remember at the time my dad saying to me, Beck, I've got no idea how you do all the stuff you're doing. I was like, I've got no choice. <laughs> I've got no choice. I have to, I have to keep feeding these kids. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, and and I think, you know, at the time I didn't, I underestimated it. But at the time that took huge courage and inner strength that I didn't feel like I had. I had to push through a whole lot of stereotypes and misconceptions. You know, there were some stereotypes around being a single mom, and I was determined. Right? I was like, I am not having those. <laughs> my girls aren't going to be the statistics on single parent families this isn't where we're going and looking back I realized that that those foundations have been something that has fed into then everything else I do because nothing else actually will ever be as scary or as tough as that was um, and the strength and the reserves that I discovered in that time and um, when I was actually very fragile and I was very you know I was working it out as I went you know those those that's still with me and I think that's a really important part of my journey but over the years I got married again about five years after that and uh, over the years I've just had all these different roles and it's felt a lot of the time like I've just gone into whatever was there you know I've just like walked through whatever door opened in front of me here's a new opportunity I'll take it um, and that's partly my personality I'm ever so sure I've got ADHD um, <laughs> <laughs> sitting still is not my forte um, but I just I just did you know I was I, I trained as a teacher years ago and uh, and when I was you know on my own with my girls finances were seriously tight and an old mate got hold of me from university and said Becca and they'd started um, an internet marketing company like dot com it was back in the early noughties and uh, he said we, we really need an office manager will you do it and I went I don't even know what one does I don't know what an office manager is. I don't. And he said, oh, I'm sure you could do it. Google, <laughs> Google it. So Best job description my... ever. Google it. <laughs> Google it. And I asked, yeah, thanks, thanks for the role, role description. But, you know, I did. And then I started rewriting my CV. And, and you start realising you've got all these transferable skills. You know, I've been effectively leading a classroom of kids or lots of classrooms of kids, actually, secondary school teacher for years. I know how to do that. And actually, I've organised them and I've set them goals and I've set them targets and I've you know, and I've had to manage my own time frame and their time, you know, and I've done all of these different things and I've enabled them to get where they're going. I probably could manage an office like this is transferable. And um, so I went and I worked and it was such fun because I was part of this growing, like really rapidly growing organization. There were six people when I started and there was 36 by the time I left three years later. And, you know, and I got to oversee so much of that growth and recruit people and get new premises and project manage. I learned so much. It was extraordinary. And uh, and, and so and along the way, and then I got married and I moved and I went back into teaching. Um, and then I ended up doing a job working for a local sexual violence centre, which spoke to some of my history and spoke very much to my heart, actually. And it's something I really wanted to do. And that just looked like going around schools and talking about sex, relationships, consent. But it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful space that I loved, absolutely loved. And in lots of ways, didn't look much like leadership at all, but it was facilitating these conversations for young people 
and it enabled them to actually have conversations they didn't have anywhere else. So, you know, you'd have to do feedback like you do, you know, feedback forms at the end of the workshop. And so often the kids would just say, Miss, thanks so much. Nobody else talks to us about this. And you began to realize that actually these conversations are changing a culture in a classroom and then they're changing a culture in a school. And you began to realize just how important this, you know, very low paid charity job was that I had, but actually massive influence. And so I got so passionate about it. And then the funding went out on the job, you know, and I went back to teaching for a little. I, teaching was always like my default, fall back into teaching because it's there. Um, and then I got offered a job working for, oh, no, before that, actually. And this was one of those things which for me felt like a God move, like God had just maneuvered some stuff into, into my life. So my husband um, leads and publishes a, a big ma men's magazine, Christian men's magazine called Sorted. And, uh, and through various conversations, somebody suddenly said, well, actually, could you and your wife take on this, this woman's magazine? And my gut reaction was absolutely no way. Like my worst GCSE was English. <laughs> Our garage is already full of magazines. <laughs> We've got no money. We don't There's need no more. Way. Yeah, we don't need more. It's just be horrific. But actually, I took, you know, we prayed, I took it on. And uh and it became, again, this other like learning ground for me where I began to learn about the process of making it you know, financially viable. I began to learn about actually how do you communicate? What do people want to hear? How do you put this thing together? Um, and how do you lead a team of like 20 people who are all contributing? They're all, you know, how do you manage that? And again, just some more learning ground going on in the background, all this stuff just beginning to happen. And off the back of that, really, I got offered a job working for Compassion, it's, you know, really quite big charity working internationally as their PR manager <laughs> again I had to go and Google it's like I don't really know what they do but they've asked me to go and work for them so I'll have a look <laughs> and uh, and again and then I had to Google some words because I didn't know what they meant and I thought do you know what I think I could do that and I was really honest in my interview I just said look I feel like I could do this but there's some things I'm going to have to learn and they were they were just really up for it. they were that's absolutely fine we know it's you that we want we'll get you in we'll teach you the stuff you don't know and off we go. And again, in hindsight, I look back and I think, wowzers, that was quite brave again. Um, and, and it was quite frightening when I started. But I think one of the things that I've, that I'm really glad I've had about me is this capacity to go, well, I'll just learn really quick. <laughs> There's that, I've seen it, you get it all over the place, that information around, um, you know, the difference between men and women and how men look at a job description and if they can do 10% or to, I don't know, 30% of it, they go, oh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Whereas unless women can do 90%, they won't go for it. And that's my gut. My gut instinct is, you know, my gut instinct was, I don't even know what the words mean on the job <laughs> description. And then I Googled and I thought, oh, if that's what it is, I probably can. And I could probably, that that's learnable. And so I, and I've learned to overcome that gut instinct of, nope, that's impossible. I'm the wrong girl. Um, but to go in and be re really honest with people and say, well, I bring this. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll come and I'll smile and I'll, I'll be cheerful and I'm good <laughs> with people and I can talk, um, you know, and the other things. But actually this, I, I'm hold my hands up. I think that's something I've definitely learned along the way. Don't pretend you know things you don't because right. that's truly terrifying. Yes. Um, Get found out um, in the end. You always do. And you yeah. just like waiting to be found out it's terrible yeah so um yeah did that and then had a very so there's all these different like skills that I was picking up throughout my life 
right. all over the place. Meanwhile, juggling a big family and, you know, step family in, and then we fostered for a bit as well and you know, all this stuff going on. Um, and then I finally ended up working for my local church and, and I was on the senior leadership team. It was a fantastic, I loved working there. It felt like it pulled so much of who I was together into this place. Um, and I, again, learned more skills. And really felt like I was given, I, I got to work for this incredible guy uh, who is a senior minister who I so value. Um, but I got, I, a part of me felt like I got to sit at the feet of a master, you know, and I say that now and I know well enough to know, don't, <laughs> if he listens to this, don't take that into <laughs> yeah, I'm going to send but, it to him. <laughs> yeah, don't, it would make his head grow. But it was, it was just going, here's this guy who has been leading for years and who I really respect his leadership. Right. And I get to learn from him now. I get to watch how he does it. I get him to mentor me. to, And, and that was a really, really, it, there was some massive challenges in that job as well, which probably come to later. But again, it was this, I was learning, I was learning all about the church. I was learning all about people. I was learning about how to interact. And so I finally ended up in this job where I am now, where actually my experience working with young people my experience working with people who've been through sexual abuse is totally relevant to everything I do my experience working right. in the church is totally relevant to everything we do my even my office management back in the days is totally relevant to anything I do because it's right. a small charity so fundamentally I, I, I need to better do all of it and I kind of look back and think gosh how incredible you know this is the kind of thing I, I attribute to God and I, I, I haven't done a course in this I haven't gone and had management training. I haven't done business training. I haven't done any of it. But here I am just slowly but surely along the road, picking up all these different skills and experiences. And every, you know, every couple of days I think, oh, hang on, I've done, <laughs> I did that in 2007. <laughs> Let's see if I took any notes. And, um, you know, and I've picked up friends along the way as well who are invaluable at just sharing their wisdom with you. That's, oh, that's, that's very long convoluted. No, way, that's brilliant. Really. No, yeah. thank you for that. And I think you know, there's a couple of things to reflect back straight away is that one, I'm just sitting here listening, thinking, well, you're someone that's actually taken those opportunities in front of them and been brave. But even first and foremost, you kind of, you've led out of who you are. You've led out of your experiences, but actually being an answer to those things you've that you've experienced, you know, being a solution and not a problem and not letting your past define your future. I mean, that's a that that's what I'm picking up. The things you've gone through have enabled you to to stand up again and actually walk into your future and walk into your destiny. And it's something we like talking about. It's something Christians love talking about. But listening to your story, I'm like, there's someone who's gone and done it. And there's and there's stepped because my wife's a secondary school teacher as well. And so I get it. Secondary school teacher seems to be like the litmus test of all things, testing your patience, your skills, your admin, your communication, everything. But you've kind of you've kind of also gone on a journey around that rather than be pigeonholed and sort of sort of shoehorned into one career, which I think is excellent. I think it's really encouraging for, for our um, listeners. The other thing I'm thinking whilst you're talking is. I bet you there's people Googling job specs right now thinking, <laughs> hey, I'd like to be a PR manager. What does that mean? And they're Googling PR manager. But no, I mean, it's brilliant. I think it's really good. Now, taking that question a step further then, and we're going to go we're going to go straight into it now. What are some of those, and you've shared a couple, but what are some of the things you've had to overcome personally on your leadership journey? You know, because, you, you know, you've, you've stepped inwards, you've stepped upwards, you've gone into different sectors, different, you know, roles. What were some of those things that you've had to overcome personally? I have had to overcome a lot of fear. Like, I make it sound like... <laughs> it's <all very> straightforward. <laughs> it's easy ride. 
but do you know what I, I you know it's really funny my daughter's doing psychology um at university now and she went mum you do realize you've got anxiety like it's really high functioning anxiety but you have got it and I went tell me more <laughs> I went oh yeah now you describe it I probably do you know and I, I do sometimes stay awake at night I do sometimes lie awake thinking what on earth have I got myself into and um, I just seem to have this capacity and I'm aware that that's a gift I've got this capacity to go well I'm going to do it anyway I'm going to push it through and I but I think overcoming that fear is hard and it's hard when that fear gets backed up by other people's voices sometimes right and and I think that that's where being a woman is particularly difficult because probably the job where I noticed it the most was my previous role where I was working in a church and I was working in a church which was on a journey around women in leadership and then I was the first person I was the first woman appointed to senior leadership and so it felt like this big burden to carry on behalf of all the other women in the church you know and well the world sometimes it felt like um, like I represented them all but also it meant sometimes I was leading people who thought I was disqualified from my role by my by my gender and like learning how to navigate that was well it was an exercise in diplomacy and grace and honesty it was that you know how can I but again it and again, my, my boss was really great. He said, why don't you just sit down with them and ask them what it should look like? How is this going to work? What what do you expect from me? And it was quite it was quite humbling conversations sometimes, but they were really helpful conversations to build relationship and start from that place instead of just going in all guns blazing, um, which wouldn't have been helpful at all. Well, so you, you had to address that kind of, I suppose, head on in a sense, but in a in a way of grace and, and, and working collaboratively. Yeah. It's one of those things we were working through um, a book that was uh, so I think it's called the, Your First Hundred Days. It's one I can't remember who wrote it now, but it's one of those leadership books when you take on your new role. Yeah. First hundred days, and the whole concept's around you know president gets hundred days when he gets into office to get anything done, and uh, so it takes you through all these different you know priorities. And so I was working my way through my book and working out what was what was a startup and what was again you know just enabling something to keep running and all those kind of things. But it was writing out these questions, find the key people that you need to work with. And what are the questions you need to ask them? And so as I did that, as I went around and as I met, you know, people in different ministries that I'd be, you know, like that kind of came into my 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 role, I just met up with them. And if I and particularly if I knew they were somebody who was a bit, you know, not sure yet about women, I'd say, you know, I'm really aware. I'm really aware that you're not quite in a space where where you're comfortable with me in my role. And I just want to know how actually, what what how how can we do this together in a way that's going to work? And it and 10 out of 10 times it was it, we ended up with a really great relationship and it worked but it brilliant. was but it, it was a challenge to overcome to get there brilliant brilliant okay then so let me ask you this then if what would you what would you share with someone as a younger leader that's maybe listening to this podcast right now and they're kind of thinking you know what I want to be brave like that you know or, or, or do you know what I've had a lot of personal trauma that I've had to overcome or am overcoming mm-hmm. or you know but I'm not sure about this leadership thing or I'm not sure about where I'm going next and that is a place that a lot of people find themselves in you know, what would be some of those I don't know, key nuggets that you would share with someone that's um, look, wanting to grow in their leadership I would want to say start small, you know, like I did not start with leading a church. <laughs> that was, that was nearly 20 years down the line. Right. But I started, I'll tell you where I started actually. And it was a really fascinating conversation. I was, um, my church were brilliant with me. I'd come back from Africa with two little girls and theologically, they didn't know quite what to do with this woman who left her husband and, you know, no matter the backstory, it was all a bit confusing, but they were so lovely with me, helping me. And one of the elders used to come out to my house and he's helping me redecorate and paint. 
and do the floors and his wife looked after the kids it was brilliant and then one day he'd been talking about the youth group and saying you know that we're really struggling for youth leaders and I that's my background as a teacher and I said look um give me six months but in six months I'd love to help with the youth group and his initial reaction was oh (laughs) and he honestly said but what would what would people think and I you know wished I'd got a better answer but I just like you know I just well they'll probably think anyone's welcome in our church and uh (laughs) brilliant answer which you know I might have been foot in your mouth but but actually that was my first step into offering to do something and and his initial reaction was a bit lost but I stuck with it and then within you know in six months later I was leading youth group and then you know and then and slowly and it was but it was about being able to move in my time because it wouldn't have been right right then I wouldn't have been anywhere near ready I needed to wait I needed for the time to be right and I needed to do something that I knew how to do that was I could I could step into and and because it was scary enough as it was because of my circumstances so to have that one thing I was like I do know how to lead a youth group like I'm good with kids (laughs) I can do that so you need to have something where there's a part of it that you go that's that I definitely know I can do that or I definitely know God's called me to it. Right. Or I definitely know I've got energy and time at the moment and I don't know how to do it, but I'm ready to learn. There's got to be something. It can't all be new. If it's all new, it's too much. And right. I think that's the, it's the, it's the, and don't expect yourself to run before you can crawl because that's too high expectations. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And in terms of your kind of role now, how do you see your sort of your, your leadership your all your do you see all your skills and the experiences coming together in this role and do you feel like you're kind of you know all of those things and all of that journey has come together for this time yeah I do it's one of those you know people always talk about Esther for such time as this and I feel like everything's come together for me and less that I'm necessarily that right person but the God's completely been drawing all these threads together in my life in a way that I never saw coming Right through to um, I about well just before just before COVID actually I'd finished um, doing my master's in theology which I'd done partly partly because I was I knew I wanted to step into leadership in a church context and I felt like and I felt like it more so because I was a woman I needed to prove that I knew what I was talking about so I thought well, if I do my master's in theology there's a certificate that tells me and hopefully I'll learn a lot along the way um, and just as I was applying for this job. I found out that I'd got a distinction. I found I got oh. asked to do some other stuff around it. And I'd written my dissertation on um, a story in Judges called, you know, the Levite and his concubine, which is this horrible story of violence. Right. It's gender-based violence and, um, and domestic abuse. And it just, and at that moment I was like, oh, that's why I did it. <laughs> it's like, Amazing. It's on top of, top of the office management and the church and the everything else and the communications and all the things that I'd been learning. I was like, and you put, I thought I was doing this for my own peace of mind but actually god what you were doing was giving me that actually much deeper knowledge than most people on the theology around violence against women and girls and i did i just did it because i was interested i didn't realize it was part of my training ground. um so yeah now i definitely feel like this is the place where i'm meant to be i feel like we could i want to unpack that right there but we don't have time unfortunately uh, is it is this going into a a book or a series or how can we find out more yeah it might well go to a book at some point I think because it's it's certainly germinating in my brain and I'm right. beginning to see it because I've done a dissertation and actually taking stripping that back and turning it into <laughs> more interesting language um would be would you've be done doable. the hard yards right you've done yeah, yeah. I've, done, 
I've done the research. I just need to find time to write it up again. There we go. We've um, got this in audio that there could be the book coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So I've done sermons on it and I've done, you know, I love speaking on it, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what comes. But I think it's so important. I think it's so important because you know, we're not talking about someone's opinion or an angle. We're talking about, you know, a global problem and a biblical solution and a bib- and the, the biblical theology around it is so important. So no, I'm, I'm rooting for you all the way. I love that. That's brilliant. Um, taking a step back now. So obviously, again, we're talking about women in leadership. What are some of the, I suppose, you know, in your journey and in what you do now and the ladies that you work with, what are some of the challenges that you still see for women in leadership, whether that's personal, organisational, but yeah, do you see any challenges as, as it stands now? Oh, there, there really are. And and I never want to be, um, I don't even like the word feminist. I am a feminist, I guess, according to the things, but I never want to be one of those people who's like, oh, it's, you know, this, that and the other, everything's terrible. But there are, there really are still some barriers for women and there really are still some things that make it quite difficult. And one of it is being one of the few women um, you know, there's there's a, the, the, I've been invited to something that's for C, Christian CEOs. I know that I only want about three women who'll be there in a room full of men. I, I like, I like men. I like hanging out with them. So it's fine. But it's one of those things that's quite difficult. You know, when I was working in my church, it was me and seven men in every meeting I went into. And it's, so there's this, and there's, there's the weight of carrying it for the women. And there's this, there's just a funny dynamic of being the odd one out all the time in some ways, although at the same time, exactly like everybody else. Um, so there, there's something funny about that. But I think I think where I really notice it is in trying to find a mentor, right. trying to find people to look to and to to watch and to go, OK, this is this is, you know, we talk about it a lot. If you can't see it, how can you be it? Um, and so it is sometimes looking at guys, but then realising that sometimes as women, leadership looks different sometimes because we sometimes bring different personality different strengths and maybe there's a new model of leadership that women will start to create that actually some men would be brilliant at as well um but I think kind of navigating that's quite tricky um and I think one of the things that women have that I don't think men have in quite the same way is this need to be you know if I'm going to be I've got to be great at my job because if I'm going to prove that women can do it I've got to be excellent all of the time and that's impossible and exhausting but I've also got to be an amazing mum I've got to run an amazing house my husband must be satisfied in all ways you know and because I've got to carry all of that and I think all of that is actually a massive pressure on women that I don't think men carry in quite the same way because the the expectation isn't quite there and certainly I noticed it in the church you know as a colleague and I both working as associate pastors you know and and he didn't go home and do all the stuff that I was doing at home, you know, and, and there weren't quite the same expectations, you know, but, but for, for women, you've got to try and do it all. And, and learning to let some of those things go is absolutely. Well, <laughs> absolutely I'm, I'm tired just listening to that. Just listening to the breakdown of your day is just, yeah, no, I, I get that. And so let me, let me just sort of flip that question on its head then. What do you see, I suppose, in the role that you're in and all of your experience, what do you see as some of the opportunities, I suppose? Or do you see there, are there breakthroughs? Do you see, is it different? Are there opportunities that you see, hang on, do you know what? In the next 10 years, things could look different. Yeah, I think so. Because actually, you know, because sometimes we talk about needing to break into the club. And there are some men, like old boys clubs out there that are still quite hard. You know, I have to do fundraising as part of my role. And I think one of the things I'm beginning to learn is that still most of the people with money are men. 
and then actually trying to access those men is quite hard. Um, so there's there still are some old boys networks out there, but there are some really great people out there as well rooting for women to to do well and making space for women and cheering them on when they you know when, when they're doing well and you know and and kind of being advocates for them. And I think that is creating space. And I think actually some of those soft skills that women bring into leadership and um, that perhaps not all men do, but I don't want to stereotype men either. I think those are beginning to be appreciated more and more as well. And that, that creates that creates some more space for women to be able to step up as well. And can I ask you a question around that in terms of, you know, local church and church involvement? Because that's often the coal face of these scenarios and situations which you work within. Do you feel like the church is being better equipped or I'm sure that I'm sure there's a long way to go, but do you feel like you know that we're on a journey as a, as as a, as a church and let's just take the UK as an example what are your thoughts around that i think that it depends on where you are like literally down to the actual church you're in let alone the denomination you know right. and then it goes out it's a very different picture um i think it that changes wherever you are but i think that there is a slow but incremental change to you know empower and, and release women really to, to leadership a lot more but not everywhere and there are days when you just don't think oh blimey it feels like two steps forward and three steps backwards but you know perhaps we'll but we I think we are moving in the right direction and I bet that I think it's slow and I think it's as women step up and sh and show how it can be that things change I know that in my own church they've gone on such a journey um to just being able to consider the idea of women as elders and then I got appointed to my to my role as associate pastor and then you know and then and then we, we had to look at getting a new senior minister and that was a step too far for that to be a woman and that felt you know I really felt that I felt that uh, it hurt me in a way that I didn't anticipate coming because I kind of knew it would <laughs> I was like oh I'm shocked at how upset I am by that but I think you just slowly slowly but there was but definitely a, a groundswell of like there was a change in where people were in things and some really wonderful guys as well who came up and said you know what I didn't vote for you to be able to have your job but I'm really glad you've got it and so there's, there's like this yeah humility to, to go oh do you know what I'm not sure I got that right and I go hmm, I'll take that as a massive compliment thank you <laughs> yeah. I can testify you didn't <laughs> <laughs> No, that's yeah. brilliant. So how does that look in terms of restore? You know, you, obviously in terms of your mission and your vision, like, you know, what are you passionate about coming that, you know, coming through this next season? Eight, I mean, tough 18 months in the role, you know, largely being, you know, home, mm. homebound, lockdown, all the scenario we've been in. What does the sort of next sort of roadmap look like for, for, for the ministry? Oh, I'm really excited about the next bit of the roadmap because Restored has this like decade-old history of equipping the church globally, actually. To start having conversations about men, women, relationships, violence against women and girls. And going forward, we're really focusing on the UK church and how we can create safe spaces for survivors of domestic abuse, male or female, actually. But, but there, there has to always be recognition when it comes to domestic abuse that it is a predominantly gendered thing. It's predominantly men who abuse predominantly women, but not entirely. And that's another that's another story for another time. But we want to create churches where actually it's okay to speak up if that's your experience. And actually this is a place of safety and where actually these churches are beginning to not only not just tell women to go back and submit and forgive, but they're, they're proactively stepping up and going, we're going to stand against abuse. We're going to do a different show a different way. We're going to support people in our communities and we're going to try and change the culture in our communities. 
so that women are respected and they are honoured. Um, and so we're going to call those, which I literally started type creating my our own webpage for it today. So we're nearly ready to get going and get launching. And we're going to call these churches restored beacons. So churches that already exist, obviously, but who are committed to making a difference. I think violence against women and girls is in the news all of the time at the moment. You know, with what happened to Sarah Everard, Sabine Anessa, Ofsted reports that tell us that we've got a rape right. culture in our secondary schools. There's so much. And I think as church, we want like, like, where do we even begin? Where do you even, what can we even do? And I think this is something tangible people can do. They can say, actually, as a church, we're going to become a beacon in our community. We're going to be a light in this darkness and we're going to show a different way. And so that's our, that's our, what I want to see. About six months ago, somebody, I've had this idea percolating. I've been working on it all along, but I didn't have a name. <laughs> it was like church partnership. Needs to be better. <laughs> and um, about six months ago, I was praying with somebody. They went, oh, I've got this picture. And it's like, and they said, do you remember the millennium when they had all the beacons around the country that right. they got lit one after another? It's like that. Everywhere you stand, you can see, you can see restored. And I just thought that's it. So that's why we've called them restored beacons, because we want it to be that all around the country, wherever you stand, there's a restored beacon that somebody, a survivor can get to and go, I will find support. I will find welcome and I will be able to be restored. I can, you know, be replenished and come back to life in this place because that's what church should be, isn't it? You know, yeah, absolutely. That's the, so I, I'm, you know, it does. It feels like for such a time as this that we'd launch a project like this as well, because the timing, like the, the, the country's ready, church is ready and we've, slowly over 10 years I say we say it wasn't me at all I've just come in and picked it up and <laughs> um, been pro pro you know producing all these amazing resources and um, ready to go look we we're ready to go we can help you do this so yeah that's the next step now I'm very excited fantastic brilliant love that and that will all be in the website as you said so people can go and yes. check out the website and get to it fantastic yeah. brilliant take a step back again just last couple of questions um Look at the leadership piece. You mentioned earlier on the whole, you know, some of the challenge maybe about finding mentors and, and, and that side of things. But what leaders, you know, do you look up to or have you learned from, you know, alive, people you know, don't know, but what sort of, what leaders have inspired you or have you learned from over the years? Do you know what? They're nearly all people that nobody else would know of. Uh, they're right. all people that I've met in my life, people who've modelled it quietly, because I think that's the kind of leadership that I really appreciate. And I guess, you know, I work in this area that's all about abuse of power fundamentally. That's what sits at the heart of domestic abuse is abuse of power and this desire in mankind for control and recognition and the rest of it that we've all got, um, but it's got out of hand. And I think some of the people that I have most respected are people like my previous boss, are people like there's a guy um, who I worked with when I, you know, before I got married to my husband now, and I was office managing. And part of my role was to support some of the charities we we work with. And I got given this guy to work with who's a you know fundraiser, you know, like masses of influence within his own life and space. You know, he did loads, but he just took me under his wing and he and he did so much to grow me and encourage me. And he just quietly went about doing what he was doing. And he was such a gentle gentleman. And I thought, I love that. And I like. I really love the concept of just leading where you are and not needing everybody else to notice it. I think there's something, we live in a world that's all about celebrity and influence and culture. And like, you can't lead unless there's some people to lead. Like there's just a truth to that. Right. But you don't need everybody else to see. And you don't need everybody else to know. And I think it's something I really grapple with in my, I guess this is probably one of my struggles as well, is how do I 
lead? How do I carry this message actually that I do feel God's given me? How do I get it out there and not have it actually start becoming about me finding platform, me finding the step, you know, that the microphone, like, and, and, I, and I'm still working that bit out. When is it okay for me to go, actually, now I do need a platform right now because my, because my, because my women need me to have a platform or God's asked me to take right. the platform. Yeah. And I think I really struggle with like knowing what's ego and what's mission. It, like that's a really, but then, but as a consequence of that, the people that I really admire, the people where I watch them, they, they don't care who's watching. They don't, like they care that the right people are, but they don't need everybody else to notice. And I think that for me is the key is, and it's this constant little message whirring in my mind. Brilliant. I don't care who notices, just get the job done. Yeah, I love that. That's excellent. Excellent. So final question, Becca, as we come to land now, looking back at your sort of life and your leadership journey, and we've just had a snapshot into it, I'm sure, but what's one piece of leadership advice you'd give your younger self? Do you know, it would it would be very like what I just said, but it's a, but I think it comes down to know who you are, know what your values are, know what your know what your personal mission is really work take time work that out what is it that matters to you the most what is it you want to see happen in your life and in the world around you and stick to it and don't don't worry about what other people are saying around that around about you I always listen to advice always do that but but fundamentally know who you are and stick to it and go for it brilliant what a great way to end the podcast Becca Legg it's been an absolute pleasure thank you We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Wonderful Leaders podcast. To be part of the community, join our close Facebook group and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Simply look us up at Wonderful Leaders and we'll see you there.